Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Chris Clow, the editor of Reverse Mortgage Daily, to talk about the FHA MMI report, which showed the reverse mortgage portfolio is positive for only the second time since 2015. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. What? I can't see. My eyes are bleary from looking at narrow text and documents all morning. (laughs) Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been a, been a busy day. It has been. So tell us what is going on. What are those uh, documents you're looking at? Yeah. So, um, you know, every year there are a couple of, uh, of major stories that the reverse mortgage industry is very interested in when it comes to the administration of the home equity conversion mortgage program. Uh, from the Federal Housing Administration. And one of those is the publication of FHA's annual report to Congress, which includes um, uh, the economic value of the Heckam portfolio inside the mutual mortgage insurance fund. So, you know, the reverse mortgage program, as administrated by FHA, uh, it is insured by the federal government and insures lenders against losses. So it is part of the, um, the MMI fund as is the forward book. And, um, the MMI report every year is a, is, is a pretty big indicator about how well the reverse mortgage program is performing on the government side. Every, I mean, every month we focus on what the companies are doing, of course, and how origination volume is driven and how, um, Heckenbach securities are being traded. But, this is really like the big indication about how the Heckam program performs from the perspective of the government. So they dropped the report initially under embargo last night. I reviewed it then and uh, have been reviewing it all morning. I got to talk to some officials from FHA, including um, the commissioner, Julia Gordon, and a couple of other staffers. And uh, the Heckam book of business has hit positive territory for the second time since 2015. Between 2015 and 2020, it stayed in negative territory. You got to see a bunch of um, different program reforms that uh, both the the Obama and Trump administrations uh, tried to implement in order to stabilize the Heckam program. There were probably some uh, pretty notable reforms that were introduced by former FHA Commissioner Brian Montgomery to try and stabilize the Heckam program. And it seemed to have started to work. And last year, uh, was the first time we got to see uh, the Heckam portfolio hit positive territory since 2015, and it did so again this time. It was largely attributed to record levels of home price appreciation, uh, and and the forward book is is significantly affected by that as well. But um, you know HPA is probably going to be pretty unsustainable in future years, and FHA basically tried to to warn everybody as much that the positive uh, economic performance of the books of business are probably going to be a little diminished considering that HPA is cooling down. But overall, uh, the Heckam program is performing positively for only the, the second time since 2015. So it's a pretty big story for the industry. Well, and not just positively, but like up to $15.1 billion from $3.8 billion in 2021. Like that's a huge increase. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is largely driven. I'll probably have a story um, af- maybe tomorrow that actually breaks down like the loan types as seen 
on the FHA side. And, and they also break down some kind of interesting demographic trends when it comes to the reverse mortgage product, as well as different product variations that are available to people and what's being used on that front. But uh, it, it, home price appreciation is the name of the game. And as anybody who has interacted with the housing market at all over the past two years knows, uh, home prices have just skyrocketed significantly over the past two, two and a half years. And, and honestly, probably more than that as well. But it's just like, that is a, a, a considerable driver of Heckam program health. And the Heckam program is probably uh, more prone to being impacted by levels of HPA than even the forward side. And the Heckam program is I think it only comprises about 5% of the total size of the portfolio, including forward and reverse. So it's very, very sensitive to changes in home price appreciation. But um, there is no way to slice it. That's a, a positive development from the perspective of the reverse mortgage industry. And I mean, I I was having those conversations with people in the business uh, before 2020, certainly about how concerned uh, both FHA and members of the industry were that the the uh, capital reserve was negative. So this is a, a win, I think, for the industry and the trade association seems happy. Um, but of course, there's a big question mark over what things are going to be looking like in the next couple of years, considering how the housing market's trending. Yeah. And you, know, you mentioned Julia Gordon. And um, one of the things that she said is that they're always looking for opportunities to change policies in a way that makes the programs look better. And so, but she didn't go, it didn't sound like she went into specifics on that. No, I specifically asked her about that because, uh, you know, she has unique authority to implement a reverse mortgage program policy. And, um, you know, the FHA has been able to do it via mortgagee letter since the, uh, the passing, I believe, of the Reverse Mortgage Stabilization Act in 2013. And uh, FHA program changes are always pretty seismic shifts in the posture of the reverse mortgage business, either to brace for changes that are going to be disruptive or to embrace changes that could have a positive impact on business. And I tried to see if she might be able to give me some indication about some of the things they're looking at. Seems like she's holding it pretty close to the chest. And not that I can necessarily blame her. But I, I certainly had to ask because I know that it's a big concern of people all across the business uh, concerning whether or not there are going to be policy changes in the future. I'm sure that they're looking at a few things. Um, and I also tried to ask her about the potential for this in person a couple of weeks ago, but pretty, pretty tight lipped. So we'll have to see what happens. But also at the same time, too. HUD and FHA have a lot of other things to worry about than the reverse mortgage program, especially at the moment. Uh, so maybe it's not a priority. That's an absolute possibility. We have seen a lot on the forward side for the, you know, the mortgage uh, market insurance fund, just, I'm sorry, the mutual mortgage insurance fund, the MMI fund, you know, whether people feel like it's, it's now doing so well because of these big volumes that we should uh, you know, have to be able to cut the premium. And then other people saying, no, this is just a fluke. You know, um, you know, there's a lot of risk in the system. And, and even if there's not a lot of risk in the system, like this is not the time to cut because we're, we're coming into a downturn, all of that kind of thing. So, so the MMI fund is just, you know, front and center right now for a lot of people. Yeah. And she actually addressed the uh, concerns over the MIP right at the beginning of the call saying, we're not making any news today. We're not making any announcements in terms of changes to the mortgage insurance premium. And I understand that, but I think that 
largely the business is certainly kind of waiting on pins and needles to see what's going to happen. But at the same time, she's probably in a pretty difficult position in that if she did announce news like that, it might have a, a, a pretty big impact on the perception of the health of the housing market and maybe other factors of the economy as well. And uh, so I can't necessarily blame her for uh, for avoiding that. But not addressing the question is uh, certainly frustrating for a lot of people, especially journalists. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens, of course. But also, too, another uh, component at play here is the recent results of the midterm elections, particularly when it comes to the reverse mortgage program. You know, they're going to be taking a close look at uh, what the uh, House Financial Services Committee is going to be looking like. We don't totally know at this point what uh, what leadership for the uh, the Republican majority in the House is going to look like, and that will indicate what the policy priorities are going to be. But uh, you know, a lot of things to keep track of, and uh, and the FHA commissioner is in a very unique position to have to navigate all of those things as they come in front of her. Really uh, would point our listeners to your story on that and your further coverage that we'll see on on Housing Wire for the forward side because it is pretty uh, incredible. And like you said, she was she was careful and didn't want to upset the apple cart on the on the premium, but that is definitely on on people's minds. So we'll keep an eye on that. You recently yeah, went to the um, uh, NERMLA conference. So tell us about that. Yeah. So it's pretty exciting time just because it was the first in-person NERMLA annual meeting and expo to take place since 2019. So before COVID. And it's kind of interesting. One of the things that was in my head, certainly, while I was there, and it took place in Atlanta at the beginning of the month, is that this really strange heightened period of reverse mortgage industry activity was basically bookended by the previous Nirmala annual conference and the one that just took place this month. Uh, because you know before COVID, it was kind of difficult to anticipate in November 2019 how much of a disruption to the economy a global pandemic was going to be. Um, but with that came a lot of reverse mortgage industry activity. You had uh, interest rates that were historically low that led to an extreme boom in Heckam to Heckam refinance activity, uh, which boosted volume considerably. And it's it, it also probably boosted the total volume levels that we've seen this year, even though things tapered off significantly by you know September or so of uh, of twenty twenty two. So, um, you know, the, the mood among attendees was certainly pretty jovial, even though business is down and like uh, Heckam back securities trading is down. Volume is certainly down. Refis are basically gone for the moment. Um, a lot of reverse mortgage professionals were just happy to be among their peers again. This is a very, I mean, it's, it's certainly a niche business in comparison to, to the forward side. In fact, I was talking to a couple of people who had attended both MBA annual and Nirmala annual, and the attendance of Nirmala is much, much smaller. So with that, you also have this, uh, I think, more potent sense of community among reverse mortgage professionals, and they were very happy to be uh, to, to be among themselves again. You know, there's just lots of smiles, more hugs than you might think happen <laughs> at a business conference happen at Nirmala, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good environment to be in reverse mortgage professionals do have a tendency to potentially be, uh, more optimistic than either they could or should be, but it was hard to, uh, to, dim diminish the feelings 
that everybody was experiencing being together again. And I, I would say, in case people uh, don't know, NERMLA is National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association, correct? Yes. And that's the conference yes. we're talking about. I myself am a hugger. So uh, if I've met you a couple of times, I'm probably going in for the hug. So I totally get it. Although with COVID, you know, it's I know we the first couple of ones uh, that we did after that, it was kind of, we had those like little buttons, like the green, the green red, red and yellow, and yellow, you know. But, yeah, I think I've still got mine, actually, because <laughs> I thought that they were kind of a cool memento of history about the kinds of challenges that people had navigated such things. Well, but, uh, and really, we should probably have those anyway, because again, like I'm a hugger, but other people are kind of like, lady, back off. So, you know, it just depends <laughs> <laughs> on what well, it is. Um, really interesting that they're, you said that they tend to be, you know, reverse folks tend to be more uh, optimistic. Why is that? Why do you think that's true? I think it, it's it's probably a uh, a commonality of personality trait, you know, because they spend some reverse mortgage originators in particular spend so much time talking with seniors about the things that are important to them. Oftentimes, you will have a senior interacting with an originator in a really kind of effusive way, saying "Thank you for helping me uh, make ends meet. Thank you for helping me," you know. Um, have this additional cash flow. So there's there tends to be a very I guess protective mentality between originators and their borrowers in a lot of cases especially among like the long-time reverse mortgage industry professionals. But um I was also talking to a gentleman who I'm probably going to profile on RMD at some point in the near future who had made the jump fully from forward into reverse and he had even though he's a relatively recent industry entrant, he seems very, very loyal to uh, to the the kinds of business that you can do uh, when you're selling reverse mortgages to people. Um, but I think the reverse mortgage community, the professional community, whether you're an originator or a broker or a C level executive or what what have you, they have become so used to uh like perceptive realities of the reverse mortgage business and they're always talking positively about what the program can do in order to try and change hearts and minds you do something long enough like that i think it becomes internalized and you know this is me editorializing of course but just in terms of what i have noticed i think um a lot of people just feel a great sense of um loyalty and possibility to what the product can do for seniors and they are so used to battling misconceptions about the product uh, or bad faith interpretations of the product that they naturally move into a more positive direction, even if their business might be lower. So, um, you know, they're either really, really good at putting on a brave face or they honestly believe in, in the, the industry that they're involved in. I think it's probably a good mixture of the two. But uh, yeah, it's it's a very positive environment to to be at a reverse mortgage conference talking to people. Well, that's awesome, and also, I mean, like demographics is on their side, right? I mean, like people are going to need more reverse mortgages. We know this. This is one of the uh, ways they can age in place. We know that that is, you know, as opposed to having the silver tsunami of people, you know, selling selling their homes and getting, you know, going into facilities or maybe living with relatives, we see a huge desire just to age in place. And that's what reverse lets people do. Yeah, that's a perceptive point because I think that it does uh, lend itself to 
confidence that they feel based on the demographic trends. You know, recent entrants into the business often cite demographics as the thing that has led their decision to become involved. You know, demographics uh, were a pretty big talking point in the uh, Q3 earnings call for Ellington Financial, for instance. Recently, they uh, purchased Longbridge Financial, one of the leading reverse mortgage lenders and servicers. Um, And they said, yeah, we got into this business because they're a profitable company and the demographics are on their side. Uh, and you also heard that from the finance of America earnings call, you know, that these executives certainly do seem to think that the, the demographic argument is a strong one. And, uh, you know, seniors are on pace to, uh, to become, a, a, an increasingly larger part of the U S population as time will go on. And it's cons- very conceivable that they're going to need some kind of instrument to help them, uh, make ends meet if they haven't sufficiently saved for retirement. So that could lead to more reverse mortgage business. It's hard to say if it will or not with certainty, but the potential is certainly there. And the potential is there in a time when, you know, other parts of the business are not doing so well. So as you and I have talked about this whole last year, this has been a time of really increased interest in reverse for, uh, among mortgage professionals. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that I think was front and center uh, on the floor of the conference. You know, we had uh, there were a couple of programming instances where, you know, they were trying to um, have conversations about how best to appeal to forward professionals and bring them into the fold. And there were forward professionals on site, originators and even vendors who have operated on both sides who uh, are trying to find new ways to connect with people, both in terms of borrowers and in other business partners. And a huge uh, constituency of interest to the reverse mortgage business community is financial planners, of course. I've talked about that on this show, and I've talked about it a lot on RMD, that they want to try and solicit new referral partnerships with financial planners. But what's the best way to do that, especially considering the longstanding reputational issues that the industry has been contending with for the better part of, of 12 or 15 years. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's certainly a big part of it. And, um, it's a constant source of, uh, debate among industry professionals. What are some of the other takeaways from the conference that you had from a news perspective or, or an interest perspective? There was a very, very interesting panel, uh, among tech vendors and LOS providers. Um, it, it got a little fiery in places between a couple of the competitors. And I, I plan on breaking that down on RMD reasonably soon. But one of the takeaways that I took from that was just that there is a need for a greater implementation of technology, particularly as seniors just become more and more savvy with the use of technology and incorporating it into uh, their financial lives. I mean, I think there was a kind of a period of stagnance among the reverse mortgage business community who believed that seniors' perspectives on technology was pretty immutable, that it wasn't going to, like, seniors are going to prefer to do their banking in person and and go and talk to, like, an actual teller, even as opposed to using an ATM, even if it's just to withdraw cash. But as time has gone on, of course, you know, you have successive generations who are starting to age into the reverse mortgage demographic. And Online banking is becoming increasingly normal. That's a conversation that's going to have to evolve 
with each new demographic constituency that comes into the realm of the reverse mortgage business. So answering that, even you know, on the LOS side, that's professionals' involvement, but you also have servicers who are starting to create their own uh, portals for borrowers specifically to engage with uh, with their loans or request draws, for instance. So technology, I think, is going to be a continuously uh, debatable issue for the reverse mortgage business for the next several years. But um, otherwise, you know, I think that the business is bracing for some tough times ahead. There were some discussions among the uh, the executive committee of the trade association, for instance, and they didn't shy away from the fact that, yeah, volume is down. You know, we have to figure out how to weather the storm, especially with interest rates continuing to increase. And I think there's another increase that is expected from the Fed. Um, and inflation has yet to moderate to a significant degree to justify not doing that. So I think there is a, a, a fair amount of uncertainty, um, but that does not diminish the overall optimism that the business seems to have just in terms of appealing to a wider uh, audience of uh, potential senior borrowers. So it's a strange mix. You know, on the one hand, everybody was happy and hugging and, and, and pleased to be back amongst each other. But on the other hand, there are these business realities that need to be uh, acknowledged. And it looks like the business is trying to find the best balance between the two. We've really seen that. At, I, I went to a slew of conferences this fall and, and you really see that. And I think part of it is it skews because the people able to go to the conference are doing well enough. Number one, they still have a job, their, their company's still in business and they're still, you know, a, you know, it still makes sense for them to go to a conference, you know, and then also sometimes the people who are sent to a conference are salespeople who just are you know, perpetually optimistic. That's their job to really to do that. But we've, we've seen the same thing. And also as people have gone through various cycles, I think that there's more um, understanding of what it looks like to weather the storm. So they might be more realistic, but they're also, you know, I mean, they, they see the tough winter, they see what's ahead, but they also, you know, are more confident that like, we're going to get through it. It's not going to be pretty, but we're going to get through it. So yeah, I, I feel the same. Like it's hard to, you know, Talking about the sentiment of conferences is really difficult because it's, you know, depending, like, who are the people who aren't there, right, who would be feeling maybe differently? Yeah, and that's an absolutely fair point. And, you know, I'm, I I would have to take a look. You know, there's not an exhaustive list of, uh, of the reverse mortgage roster of professionals, um, but I, I can't imagine that everybody who uh, was in attendance at the conference um, w- wouldn't have those kinds of perspectives. And of, of course, the people that don't attend, uh, it's impossible to, to document what their feelings are about business right now, unless they get in touch with reporters, of course. Uh, so go ahead and do that if you want to. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's just, it's the, the dichotomy of human existence, right? You can be optimistic and pessimistic at the same time. We are uh, we, we are, uh, dichotomous creatures. So that, that seems like it's very much on display when you go to these industry conferences and you encounter these acknowledged realities and endless, uh, fields of charts that can tell you how things might have diminished. But at the same time, you know, these are pretty big industry cheerleaders, no matter which conference you're going to. 
Um, but, and, and you need those kinds of people in order for your business to persist. So it's, it's a very interesting time. I think that that is universally true across anything that the HW media brands cover. I agree with you on that. Um, let's take a little deeper. So you recently had a conversation with Julia Gordon before the, um, you know, the MMI conversation, the MMI fund conversation. And so, you know, you talked about how she wants to collaborate with the industry, with the reverse industry, and also some of the things working at HUD. What are some of your takeaways from that interview? She's very collegiately minded. Um, that was uh, part of a larger conversation that she had at the conference with the association president. And, or I'm sorry, the, the, the former association president, current association CEO. And um, she very much seemed to be trying to uh, inform the assembled reverse mortgage professionals that uh, FHA was always open to hearing their feedback. However, the degree of feedback that is most helpful um, is very localized to policy proposals that are very, very well developed. So if you have a general idea that you want to submit to FHA, it's not likely to get very much attention. But if you have a well thought out uh, policy proposal that uh, takes a lot of different mechanics into account in terms of how it would actually work and how it would be implemented, that's far more likely to get the attention of FHA than just a general idea or general feedback. So that's really where the Reverse Mortgage Trade Association comes in because they have different committees. They have a, a HUD issues committee, for instance, that takes feedback from the membership and uh, and is able to submit it through official channels to FHA for uh, policy considerations. And I think that's what she was really getting at was that, hey, you know, we are absolutely willing to hear any input that you have, but you do have to keep in mind that considering the scope of our responsibilities, we're a relatively small agency. You know, the scope of our responsibilities often outweighs the kinds of resources that we have. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to listen to a well-developed idea. And the industry uh, professionals that I spoke with at the conference, they were very complimentary of her. She comes from a housing background. Uh, which not every FHA commissioner certainly has. And she demonstrates uh, an understanding of the subject matter to a pretty high degree. Um, she has a history of consumer advocacy. So she, that arguably could give her some insight into some of the concerns that seniors would have about a reverse mortgage. So I think that members of the trade association and certainly just professionals on the ground uh, were encouraged about the openness that she seemed to display to getting direct industry feedback. Um, but again, like she did this morning, she didn't really indicate that there was any particular policy proposals that FHA is interested in making about the reverse mortgage program. So that leads to a degree of uncertainty and no one likes uncertainty, of course, especially in business. But, um, Either way, uh, it, it seemed to me on the ground at the conference that people were pretty heartened by the idea that uh, direct engagement with FHA under her leadership was certainly possible. 
That's great to know and good insight. Um, I was going to ask you a few questions about the lenders that are in the news on Reverse Mortgage Daily. So, you know, you talked about Longbridge. You you recently did something on uh, Finance of America, which really is a a very interesting example of, you know, they they closed their forward business, but their reverse and home improvement, that's key to their business. And they're sort of doubling down on that. Tell me what's happening at Finance of America. Yeah. So when they close their forward business, um, one of the big talking points that emerged from the corporate leadership was that they're doubling down on what they call their specialty finance and services business or SFNS and reverse mortgages are uh, a part of that. And they also, you know, I, I actually wrote about when they made their initial acquisition for a home improvement lending platform called Benji that they turned into finance of America home improvement. So, um, at the same time, though, you know, it's hard to ignore that there have been some pretty big economic losses on the side of Finance of America, which has led to the closure of the forward division. But one of the things that continues to, uh, I guess, fascinate me, frankly, by what they're talking about in their earnings reports is that reverse is going to be an increasingly big part of uh, what their plans are going to be. Um, that's not something that happens very much when it comes to, uh, uh, first of all, a publicly traded company. I can count on one hand the amount of publicly traded companies that actually have these kinds of earnings call that are active in the reverse mortgage business. And Finance of America Reverse is probably the highest ranked among the public reverse mortgage companies. So, um, you know, the fact that reverse seems to be such a big focus of Finance of America's future uh, business endeavors, I think is generally encouraging to the industry. However, um, investors don't seem to be convinced because if you look at Finance of America's stock price, it's pretty low. So the profitability of the reverse division will, will probably have to increase in order to actually encourage more investors to, uh, to reward a higher stock price. But the lip service, I think, is still appreciated, even if it hasn't actually uh, materialized in the form of a higher stock price as of yet. Uh, they certainly seem to think that reverse mortgages are a direct path to help them get there. So we'll have to see what happens over the next several months. Certainly next quarter, we'll take a look at um, what they're saying about reverse. And we'll, you know, an RMD, we regularly report on the uh, the the volume levels, the unit volume levels of all of the major lenders on the Heckam side, um, and we'll have to see uh, if there's any other additional data that could trickle in related to proprietary reverse mortgage originations. And FAR is a big player on the proprietary side, but either way, uh, I think people are generally encouraged in the business about that much attention being given to reverse when it comes to Finance of America's future plans. Well, thanks for updating us on that. They are someone that we're um, a company that we're continuing to watch because it's sort of a bellwether about of where reverse is going and and kind of what the implications are of the economy on reverse and then on uh, you know lenders who do forward and reverse and what that looks like. So, Chris, thanks so much for being on and uh, sharing your insights. And you earlier were like, hey, if you want to reach out, how do people reach you? Yeah, it was email me at chris at hwmedia.com. You can find my contact information all over Reverse Mortgage Daily. Uh, I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. And uh, I'm always happy to hear more from people who are either already engaged in the reverse mortgage business or maybe people who are thinking of becoming engaged in the reverse mortgage business. You know, all of these things have a, the possibility to affect 
the state of the industry going forward. So feel free to reach out to me if you've got something to say. Love it. Hope, hope you hear from some of our listeners and thanks so much for being on. Thank you. Appreciate it, Sarah. Take care. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW Plus, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.